Well, I have known Tomek since my Korea days. I think he had left before I met you and we, you know, started all the the music collaborations that we were engaged in. You may remember the magazine Co Reality that I published. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was the co he was the co editor. And so, you know, he left and then the magazine uh, sort of fell apart, and that's when I had more time for musical activities. So I've known him 15 years or more. He moved to the UK. He was in Morocco, and then he's been in Russia for quite a while. I set up a Substack newsletter for my books, and uh, I encouraged him to set one up. And then I noticed, like on Substack, you have that podcast option. So I said, why don't we do a podcast? And he he was down for it. And then we had to discuss what we were doing. You know, we just thought we'd just pick a different text for each episode. And then I thought of the name texting. We thought about textual deviance, which is <laughs> which is the, the tagline, a podcast for textual deviance. But we Can thought I, the title that is a good tagline. Came up with the idea first. Was it was it you? Was it Tomek? Where did the kind of podcast theme come from? And well, I mean, maybe maybe the idea came from you. Maybe you inspired me or like planted the seed. For me, the first step was to set up the Substack because as an independent author, I need to have a way to grow an audience. I never really did much with my website because. I didn't like the MailChimp newsletter service, you know, which was connected to my website. It's just uh, there's no no customer service. I hate the way it looks. Uh, it's difficult to navigate the site. And then, I, you know, I heard about Substack because they're like journalists and authors that I follow, Matt Taibbi and Glenn Greenwald and... Uh, Caitlin Johnstone and various other people that I've I've been interested in. They were all on Substack, so I checked it out and I watched some tutorials and uh, I looked at their interface and it's so clean and easy to navigate. So uh, I thought I'm just going to move like everything over there. And first, I set up a a Substack for music. And uh, I published, you know, a few newsletter editions, like on a monthly basis, and did some promotion and grew the audience. Uh, and then I set up one for my books, and that's at Mark Will Write W R I T E dot Substack dot com. Got to get that plug in there. And um, I've I've now decided I'm going to put everything through markwillwrite.substack.com. You know, books, music, like I'm I'm just going to let the the music Substack languish and I'm going to promote music, books, podcast, multiple podcasts and everything through markwillwrite.substack.com. I keep the website but you know, that's just for I don't really know why. I could probably get rid of it. Substack at this point is where everything goes down. And so really, I don't need a website. For those of us that don't know, Substack is a 
free service are you paying? What what exactly are you paying for if you use this service? Maybe nothing, nothing. It's, nothing. It's, it's completely free for writers. It's a newsletter service. You set up your own newsletter. You know, you cultivate an audience. You can do regular newsletter posts that are just text. You can do podcasts. They now have a video feature. Uh, they have sections like you can set up multiple podcasts, which I'm in the process of doing. So one of my sections is texting for the podcast that's already going. And then I'm, I'm in the process of setting up another podcast called Books Are Burning. And I want to have you on for that. Like we just read the same book or it could be a book we've both read before. And then we just get on and talk about it for whatever, half an hour, an hour, an hour and a half. And then uh, a third one I want to set up called uh, Guitar and Pen, and that's just my songwriter's podcast. And I've been planning this for a while. Uh, would you say you've got the podcast bug now that you've uh, you've been on, on this show a couple of times and we've talked about uh, various projects, but now you're, you're out there on your own? Oh. Uh, with Tomek been bitten by the podcast bug? I guess, you know, the texting we do every week and like, that's a commitment. You know, we've, we've agreed we're going to do, we're going to release a weekly episode. Some weeks we, we record two or three and then we can take a week or two off, but we release every week. He releases his Sunday Moscow time or St. Petersburg time. I release mine Monday Taipei time. So every week there's a new episode of texting with the, with these other two, I, what I've committed to in my newsletter, you know, to the, the audience I have there, that's just like sporadic releases. Like whenever I get around to it, I'll release a new episode of books are burning. I'll release a new episode of guitar and pen. So that's just like, as I finish them, I'll put them out. So there's not, you know, the same kind of pressure there because there are other things going on. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't do one a week. That would just be too crazy. I would say never mind. Right? <laughs> so it's well, funny. yeah, eventually, eventually, but as things are now, you know, if status quo stays as it is, I don't see how I could do that, but you're right. It, it could happen. You know, we'll see how it goes, but for now texting weekly and the other two, when I get around to it. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's the commitment part. And I had I had a few months off this year. I can't remember from January till, what, just a few weeks ago. So, yeah, like eight months off. And uh, you might, there might come a point when you just, for whatever reason, you've kind of had a wee burnout or something, and you just want to kind of clear the decks, and then you're ready to go again when the time's right. Yeah. It's all about not putting well, pressure and, on yourself, I found, too. Well, I've thought about that, you know, like, are we really going to do it every week from here to eternity? I mean, maybe like after 50, we'll say, okay, that's the end of season one and we're going to take a month off or something. I don't know. But now it's, it's, uh, it's enjoyable. Like it's, it's fun. Yesterday, yesterday we recorded an episode on, uh, this, you can probably imagine this was my choice, but it was, uh, the sex pistols, God save the queen. I wanted to, for obvious reasons, right? So I thought, uh, you know, let's revisit this and see what relevance it has now. And it, it, he, it was new to him. He had never like listened to it. It was 
pretty much his first exposure to punk and the Sex Pistols and that song in particular. So, you know, we we look at the lyrics, we talk about the music, and then it just goes everywhere, you know, like the monarchy, uh, punk as a cultural phenomenon, my punk origin story, his punk origin story, punk in relation to classic rock of the 60s and, you know, Malcolm McLaren and Vivian Westwood and on and on. Have you seen that show? It's the dramatization of the Pistols, basically. It was on Disney or Disney Plus. The one that Lydon disowned, he said. Yeah, was- right. Everyone, everyone else is kind of on board with it. Danny Boyle uh, directed it. I can't. I, I haven't. I heard about it. I don't. I don't know good. if I want to see I, it. I enjoyed it. It is okay. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed it. I would- there was there was some bits that you're just like, oh, behave, you know. And it's just there's just you're like, really, come on. But for the most part, well, that was, it was pretty good. Performances were good, really good, in a musical point okay. as well. You know, enjoyed it. Well, was it was it documentary or are they like recreated? no? It's a dramatization, eh? so it's like a dramatization of Steve Jones's autobiography. I see, I see. I guess I would watch it. I've seen all kinds of rock biopics. Some of them couldn't possibly be. I mean, this couldn't possibly be worse than some of the biopics I've I've watched, so why not? Who came up with the format? Was it uh, an idea that you'd had? Or when you got together with Tomek and you were deciding on a format for the, the podcast? After we both set up our Substack accounts, uh, I suggested that we do a podcast. I just had that idea, and he was down for it. And then there was a back and forth mostly through text messaging, because that's how people communicate these days, you know. I, as I think I mentioned, I, I had something like something monthly in mind, and he said, no, that's week. Let's just do it every week. That's W-E-A-K. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it every week, W-E-E-K. So I agreed, you know. I thought, okay, that's ambitious. I'm I'm down for it. Let's do it. And uh then we had to discuss like content and we, you know, originally it was like more like a book chat, like, like a full on book length work, which I had done something similar to that before. So I, that was the idea I had, but then we decided, well, why does it have to be a, a book length work every time? Like, wh- why can't it be anything we want to talk about? It could be an essay. It could be a poem. It could be a song, an album, a movie, uh, an artwork. And so it's like, okay, any text. And then I thought of the, uh, the quote from Fernando Pessoa, all art is a form of literature. Okay. So let's, let's take that as our guiding principle. And then, you know, we can discuss any text as though it were a literary work and we just analyze it in whatever way we want. And we'll see where that takes us. Could be anything. We did an episode on a tweet by the Pope. It's, it could be as short as that. We did a, an episode on a painting by Picasso, and then we have another one coming out on a painting by Kandinsky. How do you quantify that? You know, it's like you're just looking at an image. And then, you know, of course, it has the association with a text message. So it's it's like it's all online, so it's something you receive in your email inbox so we like the sound of it i think it works 
if you've got something you want to hear us discuss, we're certainly open to that. I'm going to send out a thread to my subscriber list asking for ideas like what what would the audience like to hear next i mean we before we started we i insisted that we make a list of like 50 so we we have at least that many ready to go before we start so we did that and we've of course made some changes and then things happen like a queen dies and so we we feel it's more timely or like roe v wade is overturned so we did uh, an essay uh, an episode on Carl Sagan and his wife's essay on abortion that seemed timely but we we have a long list of texts that we'd like to get to we also encourage audience participation and interaction you know if someone wants to hear us discuss a text we'd be happy to do it so we're definitely open to that but the other anyway we're putting the episodes in their entirety up there. And I've started doing clips like snippets with uh, no video, but just like a, a still image that relates to the topic in some way. I'm behind on that. I think I'm up <laughs> to <not> episode <laughs> two. So I, it's time and editing. Yeah. And then you got to render the video and it's, yeah, there's not enough time. You have all the time in the it's great, but uh, yeah, there comes a point when you have to go to work and sleep and, you know, <clears> one of the other yes. things in the way, you know, one of these other things get in the way. That's right. Is, from a video point of view, is this something that you would like to do with Tomic, put it on also in a video format? I'm just thinking from a consumer point of view, you know, because maybe you and I are quite similar in the sense that we are, we're okay with the audio format for all my podcasts go out in the audio format with a few exceptions on YouTube. Of course, that you'll find some episodes there, but is it something you've thought about? Well, I think in the beginning, I assumed it would be with video. I didn't even think about just doing the audio. So we had, I think we were using Zencaster and the free option does not allow video, apparently. He, he had set that up. And so I said, oh, it doesn't allow video. What are we going to do? He's like, well, I don't even care about video. Let's just do audio. I said, okay, great. So like, problem right. solved. So that, that, was, that was it. And then, you know, sometimes I'm sitting here in my underwear and I don't want to, like, prepare <laughs> for the camera. You know, it's just... It's easier to not do video, actually. You're giving away all the trade secrets now, Mark. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> I guess, you know, I'm not opposed to it, but I think for texting, you know, there is that video option. We easily could do it, but we would probably have to pay for a subscription to one of these platforms, you know. And right now, we're just... We both log on to Skype and then, and now I've learned how to edit with Audacity. So it's, you know, it's been working so far. We just take the two files, put them together in Audacity and then put the outro and the intro uh, on either end. I had to do a lot of equalizing on the Picasso episode because neither of us plugged in our mics is unbelievably <laughs> stupid. Well, we said it was Cubist audio, so it was, <laughs> right. it was a it was maybe not so inappropriate after all. 
Tell us what else is going on then, Matt. So we talked a little about your plans for the the other podcasts you have in mind, but uh, what else is going on? Well, uh, I finally finished edits on my forthcoming book. It's called Earnest Games. I think the ebook should be ready before the end of the month, and I'll announce that on uh, my Substack. I'll run a promotion through Amazon probably. And uh, after the ebook is out, the paperback will come out soon. And I'm I'm doing the audio book myself this time. In the past, I've, uh, you know, hired voice actors, but now I'm doing it myself. I go to the studio where I make music. I'm just recording the audio book there. It's almost done. I need to go back and edit some things and make some changes to the text, to the audio based on, you know, changes I made to the written text and during the final edits. Hopefully that'll be done before the end of the year. Ernest Has that been games. quite an interesting process for you, like doing that? Is that the first time you've done that in a kind of audio book format, done the voice? Yeah, it's the, it's the first audio book. I've done some, uh, some audio recordings, but like short works, like poems. And then uh, eventually... I just decided because you have to give a lot of instructions, right? Like you have to explain what you want to the voice actor and then they send whatever they've done and then you send them notes and it's back and forth and they get annoyed because I'm a maniac perfectionist, you know? So I just thought I can do this myself. You know, I can read my own shit. As well as anybody. You wrote so, it, so, you know. <laughs> I wrote it, so why not? If people don't like my voice, nothing I can do about that. But it's it's read by the author, so I think I think it's appropriate. Time wise, what kind of uh, timeline you had to record it all? Well, you know, it's always start and stop. I I laid down the first tracks, maybe the beginning of this year. Or maybe late last year. I don't even remember. I'd have to check my studio notebook. You know, every time I go, I write down what I did. But I'm also working on the remix album, No Cure for the Princess Disease. Just like, you know, for the previous album, Carmina Formosa, we remixed it as Carmina Formosa Deluxe. So No Cure for the Princess Disease is going to be remixed as Still no cure for the princess disease. <laughs> Basically, we just, the original album is guitar, drums, bass, vocals. And the, the remix always features keyboards and a more layered, textured uh, Yeah, a bit more arrangement. in some parts. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so I'm, I'm working, I've been working. Actually, we finished the keyboard tracks, so we're ready we're ready to mix. I have the rough mixes, which I might start releasing some of those through the Substack as well, because why not, you know? Like, before I put it on Spotify and iTunes and all that, I may as well share it with the people that are, like, actually following my newsletter. I think you'll, I think you'll like it because we can really add a lot of colors to those old songs. You know, for example since you're familiar with the songs rice king right mm -hmm. the original was like an acdc rocker 
and it's great as it is, but I thought, what if for the remix, we, we did like a Kung Fu fighting kind of parody. <laughs> so we still have great guitar work by CJ, the guitarist that I work with here. But we added a couple of Korean patches with the keyboard. So we've got Gayakum and mm-hmm. uh, Degum. So you got that Korean string instrument, kind of like a Japanese koto. And then you've got the Korean flute. And uh, the parts he, I told uh, Dalway, the keyboardist, what I wanted. And the parts he came up with, they just sound amazing. So it's kind of like, I mean, it's a completely new song, even though it's the, everything else is the same except for the keyboards, you know? So that's one yeah, example. I'm for, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting them. It sounds, uh, get a couple of surprises up your sleeve. Yes, yes. Every, every song, very different. Have you got any time for anything else? I was going to say what other projects we're working on. So we've got your your podcast taken care of, your written yeah. work, some new music. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's the other thing, right? Like, as I'm doing, all of this is like promotional stuff, you know? It's like, oh, if, if someone likes the podcast, maybe they'll buy and read my books or maybe they'll buy and listen to my music but uh at times it feels like the the promotional activities overtake the the, the actual uh, activities that they're meant to right. promote but it's you know it's all the same thing like i i if i didn't enjoy it i wouldn't do it like i, no. I do enjoy the podcast because it's like every week there's something new to focus on and then i know we're gonna have like an interesting chat like uh we each take notes during the week and then you know we've got plenty to talk about always there's more that could be discussed and i try to like for paid subscribers i have started uh uploading these show notes so for each episode if you want to take the deep dive you can you know, subscribe for $5 a month or $30 a year and get the show notes. Everyone gets like a preview, but, you know, for the full archive, it's it's uh, for the paid subscribers. It's an interesting touch when you talk about subscription models or what people will pay for, or maybe it's just the way the way things are when people are just used to getting everything for, for free, right? So it's, uh, how do you? Well, you can give yeah, them an option not, to do it, but it's yeah, an optional. Well, extra. that's. Right. I'm I'm not expecting much. You know, if I were planning to get rich, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I'd probably <laughs> I'd probably try to be a weapons contractor or something. You know? I wouldn't be making I wouldn't be making podcasts and writing books and releasing music. I, I'm in the wrong line of work if that's my motivation, you know. It may sound stupid to say it, but I'm trying to save my soul. So <laughs> It's not primarily a financial motivation, but you know, if people every want to support helps, it, man. let's be honest. Yeah, every yeah, that I, there is that option. There is a paid option. Uh, there's plenty of stuff for free. People that subscribe can download my books for free when they're you know when I periodically run a special. If they do that, I hope they at least leave a review. You know that would help, but. What are you going to do? You can't force people to do shit. I mean, I don't uh, like the stuff I follow. 
I don't pay for it either, so I get it. When you hear some of the numbers or when you read some of the numbers that other better-known podcasts are getting, like I've never listened to a Joe Rogan episode in full. I think I've listened to like various clips, just as him as an example. you know. Right. And I don't know what he does now on Spotify. I guess he just sits at home and he's on the way counting his money or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what, what he does exactly, but... Uh, well, I think they just yeah. paid him up front, you know. They just they just said he come over a bunch to Spotify. Of money yeah. That was it, yeah. <clears throat> nice work. Nice work if you can get it. So on the other side, on the on the flip side of that, you know, the podcast uh market and whatever genre you think of now, there is something you can listen to. Whether it be like super nerdy, obscure stuff or super nerdy technical stuff, it's just or mainstream stuff, whatever it is, there's something there. Just as you were talking about the kind of punk thing as well, like this brings it all back to a kind of DIY ethic, you know, podcasting for me anyway, because you, you don't need a lot of stuff to to get yourself off the ground, you know, and it's all about having the motivation and a bit of drive and a bit of commitment and uh, three chords in the truth, right? I used that exact phrase last night during the God Save the Queen episode. I said, I think that is punk's greatest contribution the diy ethic it's like we're gonna do this you may not like it but we're doing it anyway take it or leave it you know yeah yeah i'm looking forward to hearing that episode when can we expect to is that one going to drop soon uh this week it's the kandinsky episode so it'll be next monday the the kandinsky episode will drop on the 26th and then one week after that will be the god save the queen episode right, well, so I'm looking forward to that october uh, something there's a nice just before we kind of wrap things up and go into a top five of sorts it's really what i really enjoy about the show is the kind of diverse nature of the the subjects that you're covering so even from a musical point of view there's your paul van no one can pronounce his surname right paul, paul van dyke or duke and uh, who else would we have? David Bowie, you know, there's a, and then from a kind of more written format, you know, there's Shakespeare, there's all there, there's all sorts of stuff there. It's really interesting, right. man, from that point of view. Uh, you might not find everything to your taste until you try it and see what other people are saying about it. You know what I mean? Because you think, well, am I, am I really interested in what the Pope says in a tweet? But when you listen to a conversation of other people talking about it, and as you say, there's a kind of nice dynamic between the two of you where it kind of goes in different directions. And that's what that's what kept me listening. Well, and also, you know, we alternate who chooses the text for the week, right? Like I, I picked the first episode, the, for the first episode, I picked Shakespeare's Sonnet 129. That was week one. And then week two, he picked a clip from Richard Linklater's Waking Life. And then we just, we've just been going back and forth ever since then. So that's a nice dynamic, too, because one of us is kind of the expert, not really, but like one of us knows more about right. the text than the other, right? And then for the other person, he has to do some research. But it's great because, as I say... You know, I've been aware of the Sex Pistols for more years I than I want to admit to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, and it was his first exposure, right? So it's 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 really interesting for me. Sometimes it's more interesting to hear what the non-expert has to say because they bring a totally fresh new 
perspective to it. And that was the case for me with the Paul Van Dyke, you know, like I didn't know who he was. I wasn't familiar with that album, but uh, I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. Has he become my favorite composer? And have I been like completely converted to progressive trance or progressive house? No, but I learned a lot from that episode. And there are things that I could apply to my own creative work, even to my music in some way, right? Like one thing I got out of that episode was the importance of trance, right? Like just, I made the connection with like the master musicians of Jujuka, you know, those Moroccan guys that the Rolling Stones or Brian Jones in particular, and like some of the beats, they would, they would go out to those remote villages and, you know, smoke hash and listen to the, the it's basically trance music and you know you it just takes you to another state so it's good to re-emphasize those important ideas that inform even the music that i make Uh, one of the things i got as well was taking something maybe you might not know a lot about if anything at all like a shakespeare sonnet for example for speaking for myself and then it's kind of broken down in such a way or discussed in such a way as where you as you were saying you get something from it at the end of it. It's not it's not too highbrow. It's not too this is where we're up here, this is highbrow, you know, it's a bit more down to earth and a bit more uh has a bit more gravitas to it. So that's what I really enjoyed about the show. High and low, yeah. That's uh Indeed. that's something I try to emphasize in my writing too. Well I just I just want your commitment that you're going to come on Books Are Burning and Guitar and Pen once I get those up and running. Definitely, man. I'm looking forward to it. Do you have a book in mind, something we could read together or we have both read already? You can think about it. I don't want to put you on the spot. You have my word. I, I don't doubt it. Uh, what we're going to talk about then, instead of a normal top five where we ask questions about guilty pleasures and uh, favorite venues and things like that, I thought we could just focus on uh, music-related books, whether they're fiction, non-fiction, biographies, autobiographies, whatever it may be. Okay, music-related books. Well, of course, we have to mention the Miles Davis autobiography. That's on my list. Have you read Miles, the autobiography? I haven't, no. So it's on my Kindle list. It popularized the uh, the musical term motherfucker. So you got to read that one. Beneath the Underdog by Charles Mingus. That's a, a classic, uh, not rock bio, but jazz bio. The Real Frank Zappa book. Is this a biography or an autobiography? He he wrote it. It's it's an autobio released, I think it was like in the late 80s, which is when I originally read it. The real Frank Zappa book. Um, what stood out for you from uh, just as kind of two, maybe two interesting and complex characters there with uh, Miles Davis and Frank Zappa, but what kind of stood out for you after reading the books? It's basically an as told to, it's like an oral history. So I imagine Miles was just talking. I mean, it sounds like him. As I say, every every other word is motherfucker. 
So it's very, it's very entertaining. It's like you're just sitting down with him and he's just telling you his whole musical history and, and personal history, like, you know, from his earliest days up through whenever the book was published. So it, it goes through all the various periods of his work. And if you like his music, of course, it's going to be interesting. And even if you don't or you're not familiar with it, you'll just be entertained by his his voice and his storytelling. So, you know, that's a even for non-music people, it's it's just a an an interesting book to read. But uh with with Zappa, it's you can tell that it's if you've seen him in interviews, you know, you can tell the same person wrote the book. Like it it it's his tone, it's his voice. I don't know I don't even know if he had a collaborator or editor. Like he he says in the intro, there are a lot of books about me. Most of them are all bullshit. So I thought there should be at least one real book about me. So this is the real Frank Zappa book. And he just talks about everything. His early life, his whole career with the Mothers of Invention, and then, you know, solo work, and then the uh, his fights against censorship and the PMRC, you know, those uh, wives of congressmen that wanted these are the ones that started the stickers yeah right this was the parental was it parental guidance parents music resource center you know and they they acted like they were just (laughs) oh we're just concerned we're just concerned citizens but they admitted oh they have no members only founders and donors you know it's just senators wives that are trying to distract you know from real problems like that that's the most pressing issue in American society in the late 80s or 90s, you know, fucking lyrics of all the problems <laughs> to try to, to solve. That's the most crucial. So he rightly called that out, you know. It, it was a complete absurdity, but he did a good job. I mean, made many media appearances and he would just directly confront those people and accuse them of trying to sneakily institute censorship. So I admired him for that at the time. I remember watching some of those episodes and and I still I'm still glad that he pushed back on that. It's been a while since I read it, but that's a, you know that's a a, a good uh, rock autobio. Uh another one is X-ray by Ray Davies or Davis of the Kinks. Mm-hmm. He's also a very good storyteller. His is more literary, too. He does some... It's not like a straightforward narrative. He does tricky things with the with the way he narrates, but it's it, that's also quite entertaining. There's a, a book called Revolution in the Head by Ian MacDonald, and it's a, it's a description of every Beatles song ever, ever recorded. Like, it's background info on every single Beatles song. That was a very important book for me that I read probably 20 years ago. But it, I mean, it's a great source book, right? Like anytime, Hmm. if you have a question about a particular song, like everything is there. This is, this was before Wikipedia. Wikipedia probably bases their articles on (laughs) his book, you know? I haven't got around to to add this to any list, but McCartney released something last year or maybe the year before his memoirs. And it's all a kind of a similar idea about 
all of his work as well in a kind of it might even be like a double edition anyway but I think it's quite a, something to get your teeth into well I was just going to say I've got his biography it's called Many Years From Now it's on my shelf I haven't read it yet but that's like the standard bio it's not an auto bio but that's like an important uh, biography of Sir Paul so I'll get to that eventually I did read a Beatles book earlier this year called One, Two, Three, Four. I think it's written by Craig Brown. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it didn't tell me anything. It didn't already, you know. Mm. Yeah, that's... Or maybe, maybe told me one or two things about Postman who lived in the same... or who delivered the letters to McCartney or Lennon or whatever it was. You know, some kind of obscure stuff like this. And then it went in to explain about whatever this Postman or whoever this guy had a connection with the band later on years down the line, but yeah, I mean, it was all a bit, this is an easy read, you know, but apparently bestseller, well, I was like, oh, it must be good, but yeah, it was a little yeah, bit disappointing. It was a bit mm. disappointing. Maybe I expected too much. Well, let's hear what's on your list. In no particular order, I would say a book that Nick Hornby's High Fidelity, just from a kind of music nerd point of view, that since we're making a list now, I thought, well, why not? Because I remember reading this book, for the first time, I still had a copy. I think I must have given it away when I left South Korea, but I took it with me to South Korea. One of the four or five books I took with me. And, uh, yeah, I just loved the attention to detail and the kind of classic nerds working in music shops and telling people what they should be listening to and uh, why you're wrong, you know, and all of this kind of stuff. And it's about one man's mission to uh, to change people's musical opinions, you know. I never read it, but they made a movie out of it, right? John Cusack, if I remember, Jack Black kind of steals the steals the the show with his uh, character. He's the one that comes in and tells people what they should be listening to. Well, I didn't see the movie either, but how is the book organized? Is it like by song? Like each chapter is a different song or an album? No, so if you, it's more like a guy breaks up with his girlfriend and then he's a bit like, okay, so where do we go from here? He works, he owns his own music shop or record shop rather. Mm -hmm. And then this is the whole kind of backdrop. And then it kind of relates to his relationship with music through the years. So there's a bit about chess records and the kind of great soul artists and which will take me to my, probably my next author as well. Uh, I can tell you now, even he talks about Peter Guralnik, who's written biographies of Elvis. Like it's uh, last train to Memphis Dream Boogie was the Sam Cooke book he did. He's written hmm. some books about uh, blues and stuff like that. I think he did what were Rolling Stone as well. But he, he name checks Peter Guralnik's uh, work and stuff like that. So you know this is a guy who's serious about his music in a in a very detailed way. Right. But it's that kind of more about the relationship between him and music and him and his life, you know, and that, how important music is to him as a as a person. But is it fiction or non-fiction? Yeah, it's fiction. Okay. Autobiographical details, but it's it's presented as fiction. I think it begins, God, it's a long time since I, since I read it, but I think it begins with a list. So it's something like the test best, the 10 best songs ever ever written, you know, <clears throat> or the 10 best Hollywood, Hollywood movies ever made. And he goes mm. through like Chinatown or The Godfather and stuff like that. And then he's having these kind of arguments in his head, why it is and why it isn't. You know, it's... Uh, a nice accessible book as well, you know, if you want. It has that kind of narrative of just, uh, I wouldn't really call it a love story, but, you know, there's a kind of common thread there that's not too 
you know, that's what keeps you interested. And then the music's the bit that really kind of adds that it's different gravy, as, as I would call it. Right. So Nick Hornby, High Fidelity, Peter Goralnik's Last Train to Memphis. I've only read, there's two Elvis books he did. One, Last Train to Memphis, I'll say it again. I don't know, I haven't read the other one. Uh, Dream Boogie, Sam Cooke. I've also read some of his books. Are you a big and, Elvis uh, guy? Uh, yes and no. I haven't seen that new movie. I think it's just called Elvis. But uh, yeah, he's an interesting character. Eh? I mean, it's all about um, the last train, the, the one that I've got. I've actually got it just in the, in the other room. Now. It's it's the origin story, right? So it's the first part. And then I think the, the second part, I, I haven't got around to yet. Peter Gralnick's also done a book about Sam Phillips mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. I'm even wearing a Muscle Schultz t-shirt today, but slightly Yeah, different. I, I you know, noticed that. <laughs> thought I'd make an effort. But yeah, he's, uh, the attention to detail in Peter Gralnick's work is quite, quite something, you know, it's uh, an incredible uh, deep dive to use that phrase you used earlier. Mm. I'd also give you one more. I would say John Savage, This Is England. And Steve Jones' Lonely Boy. Oh. So these are two books that I've also read this year. Just as we were talking about our pistols thing and God Save the Queen and all that. I read This Is England. Yes. And it's a huge book. It's like 600 pages or something. I mean, it's immense. Everything you've ever wanted to know about punk from this is this is the, the source I would go to. And Steve Jones' Lonely Boy is an autobiography. It's fairly graphic, as you might imagine. And it's... Uh, mm. It talks about his his upbringing and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, not the easiest of upbringings. Musically, when it gets into how he learned how to play guitar and stuff, yeah, they're just like, uh, now who was it? Malcolm McLaren gave him the guy from the New York Dolls, White Gibson. Is that okay. A custom, custom shop, whatever. And that's what he learned on, you know. So his style of playing is really just, he just, didn't really know how to do it, so he kind of made it up as he went along. So he's talking right. about his technique and all that, and it's quite unique. And I think that comes across in some of the sounds you'll hear on the records. That was the basis for the Disney series, or at least it was, yeah, one of the yeah. sources. Hmm. Yeah, the the best episode in that uh, Pistols mini series is called. It's just called Bodies, and, like uh, the song, yeah, like the song, and. Uh, yeah, I'll let you watch it, and then maybe we could talk about it afterwards. I don't oh, okay. Spoil it for you, but I thought the the way that was dramatized was was really good. It's if you know anything about the song, which you you do, it's uh, yeah, they go into great detail in this episode about it and stuff. And that. Oh, there was like a personal connection to that issue. I'm assuming her name was Pauline. She lived in a tree, so it's Got about it. Pauline, right? So wow, it's, uh, okay. Yeah, that's a that's a great episode. I mean, it's it's really well done. The as I said, I thought it was really well acted. The cast were great. The music was great. They played the songs. Mm. There's one or two things that were a bit rubbish, but you know, an eight out of ten, I would say. The show, yeah, I enjoyed it. What did you think of? Uh, I think I know the answer, but I just want to hear you say if you even saw it at all. Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I'm not a Queen fan, <laughs> so that's what I uh, thought. Did know. you see it? You didn't watch it? Yeah, yeah, it's on uh, it's on Netflix or Amazon, whatever, when I saw it on. It was all right. It's a biography. It's okay. There's a funny bit when they're in 
they're in the record executive studio and they're talking about the record they want to make and all that. And it's all a bit wiggy and they've all got like bad teeth and stuff. And you know, you're just kind of like, yeah, fair enough. You know? mm. I thought it was okay. Well, yeah, just okay. It's, not you got like, me on a good day. Yeah, not like amazing, the best. No, it didn't, you know, didn't change my mind or my opinion about anything. No, it was just, it was like, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it passed. The I time. saw the other one. I see, yeah, exactly. I saw the other one. Rocket Man. Rocket Man. I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's, it's basically the same as Baby and Rhapsody, you know? That's what it looked like. How about the new Bowie? Is it Moon a Age documentary? Daydream. Moon Age Daydream. Yeah, I think it's a kind of documentary the way it's been described. It's his interpretation of Bowie's work. So I don't, I don't know if there's a voiceover through it. It might just be all visuals and songs. I don't know. I don't know. I did listen I've to heard. a review of it the other day, and then the guy loved it, but he was a Bowie fan, so <laughs> go figure, right? So, mm. That would be nice to see Are this you? on a big screen, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was. Uh, I would go back and see it. Uh, rather, I would go and see it on a big screen if I could, just to kind of absorb. What's your favorite? That. What's your favorite Bowie? I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit of a, a bit of an old cliche, but uh, Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Of course, can't can't argue with that. It's just it's just a great album, man. You know, it's just a sure classic in its music sound. I mean, uh, Mick Ronson's fantastic. It's a great exactly. band performance as well. Yes, yes. Uh, later on. It was interesting listening to your Bowie episode when you were talking about you saw him in Houston, I think it was. Yes. And you, you were doing you were into great detail about how enthusiastically you were punching the chairs or hitting, hitting the, the seats was, to, uh, to show your great. appreciation. Yeah, it was a great show. Well, I don't know if you can get the whole video on YouTube, but there's a performance he did in Glastonbury in 2000. It might have been the same band he was with when you mm -hmm. saw him. Mm -hmm. Two or three years later, fantastic band. I mean, it's Galen Dorsey who's playing yes. bass and yes. Sterling. Oh God, man, what's the drummer's name? He's awesome. Yeah, just a great band performance. And Bowie at Glastonbury's just very, he's just class. You know, I mean, he's just like, you know, he can do it in a small room, a, a bigger, it doesn't really matter. You know, he's just, yeah, he's just got it. You know, you just know he's like a, mm. he's a good guy. You know, if he's, if you're playing in his band, he knows how to, Treat everyone right, I think, you know, Yeah. from that point of view. But that uh, Glastonbury album is fantastic. That's a bit of a, a favourite on mine. Uh, if I'm out and about somewhere, I have to go for an hour's drive somewhere and I'll put that on. Mm. That kind of, that, that fits the bill. Uh, what else? Go on, give us another couple couple of years. Well, as we're talking here, I, I just remembered uh, some other rock bios I read. There's a Lou Reed. I know you don't like Lou Reed, but uh, there's a Lou Reed bio, I think, called Transformer. That was pretty good. Of course, I don't know why I didn't think of this. Hammer of the Gods. That's like, right. you know, essential Zeppelin reading. I've never read No One Here Gets Out Alive, The, the Doors, uh, or is it a Jim Morrison biography? I don't know. I I want to, I've also got like Ray Manzarek's book about the doors. I think it's called light my fire. It's on one of these shelves. I'll have to read that eventually too. What else? Oh, I read the slash 
autobiography. That was actually I had that on my list. That was a kind of that was in in brackets uh, slash. That's on my Kindle as well. It's uh, it's quite a story, right? <laughs> it's a, yeah, I mean, there's so, a rock there's and roll so many. Life. Yeah, yeah, I actually read at the urging of a friend. I'm not a Motley Crue fan at all, really. I mean, I like a couple of songs, but I read The Dirt just because all right. I was told the story. It's on every that, list. Yeah. If you I look mean, online, you'll see it in the top 10, right? It's this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The Motley Crue. You see them now. For, <clears throat> yeah. Vin, Vince Neil just looks like a man who's just, I don't know. <laughs> I never thought he was much of a frontman or singer in my. Uh, personal preference but I guess he fitted the bill for them but you see him now and he just looks like a guy who's fallen out a diner after a week <laughs> of non-stop eating right he's just kind of he's still wearing that kind of garish stuff with the false hair and all that and you're like yeah maybe, I've not, maybe give I've it up, not man. seen him recently yeah maybe I, like a long time ago but I, I don't know the, if he, he's free to do whatever that, he wants but exactly I'm free, he's, he's deserved I'm the right to do that I'm free to ignore it. So, what was it? There's a service called Cameo, so you can call. So celebrities sign up to it. I guess celebrities and in inverted commas sign mm-hmm. up to, it and they, you they'll you pay them fifty, a hundred, two hundred dollars, whatever it is, to send you a personalized message, right? So that's what I saw him give a personalized message to. I don't know Dan from Utah's. 40th birthday or something like that and he's doing it in an elevator in Vegas and he's just completely off his tits you know? he's like hey buddy <laughs> you know, it's, but he's trying wow. to do it in a kind of selfie way it's, uh, it's well worth checking out you know? did Dan from Utah have to pay for that or is it just or maybe it been Dan's buddies who put the, the cash together but I forget right. exactly what it was for but it was a greeting to someone you know yeah so Wow, it's well worth checking out. It's quite funny. Uh, two more for you, man, from my uh, from my site here. The first one I would uh, recommend is uh, Jimmy Webb. It's called Tunesmith. Uh, what's it called? Tunesmith Inside the Art of Songwriting. Mm. So he was the guy that wrote Wichita Lineman and MacArthur mm. Park, and by the time I get to Phoenix and all that kind of stuff, and it's uh, it's an incredible book, man. It's a uh, I think I got it cheap as well, <laughs> you know, maybe paid a fiver for it or something. But it's this kind of combination of advice, ups and downs, uh, you know, life ups and downs, anecdotes, the creative process, writer's block, the whole kind of thing, what it is to be a songwriter, you know. So it's uh, that's a great book, really interesting. And he's obviously coming from a different time when he wrote these songs in the mid to late 60s, I think. So, you know, coming from that different the music business being a different, a different thing altogether. Yeah? You know, he was writing songs for other people. Uh, the other one, the last one, is a, a work of fiction, and this is called Espadere Street. So it's an anagram of despair, Espadere oh. Street, and it's hmm. uh, Ian Banks. I don't know if you've, you're familiar with Ian Banks. No. His science fiction work was under Ian M. Banks, so it's I A I N, the Scottish. Right. And uh, Ian Banks is one of my favourite writers. So he had mm. two careers. One is a science fiction guy and one is a fiction uh, writer. Espadere Street. So he also had a, a wish to be a musician on his own and he said he wasn't very good. Right. So he, he passed away a few years ago, quite young, maybe in his 50s or something like that. But he was a, a great Scottish writer. If we're talking fiction, um, I just thought of another 
Don DeLillo wrote a novel called Great Jones Street. It's about a reclusive rock star named Bucky Wonderlick or something like that. <laughs> and it's a it's kind of like Dylan-esque. I mean, he's kind of you can tell that he's he's modeled to some extent on Dylan. Uh I don't remember what happens, but it's an interesting read. I mean, it was interesting to see Delillo write on popular music and songwriting. That Have you read any of those Dylan ones yourself? The Chronicles? I was I thought about that one too. Yes, I did read Chronicles. It did he ever release any others? Was it just two volumes? I don't know. I think I I the read hefty the tones first anyway, I think, yeah. I read the first volume for sure and then I I didn't know that any others came out. Yes, that's good. Also there's a book specifically on Blood on the Tracks, not written by him, but someone who researched the recording, the composition and the recording of that album very carefully and that that's a very solid work as well. I want to say it's is it buckets of rain like they took a line or a title from one of the songs on blood on the tracks. Oh, old old gods almost dead. Stones bio. I'm remembering all these that, now. So. <laughs> That's a, yeah, it's coming, it's coming back to Yeah, that. old gods almost dead on the stones. Keith Richards uh is it life, called Happy? I've read that. Happy or life, life? I think life life I think it's called. I've read Okay. That. I think the most recent one is just a picture of him on the front cover like now mm. front cover on the last five years i guess he's looked the same for the last 20 years so it wouldn't make <laughs> any difference i think it's called life anyway there there's so many i i yeah i read too many i read too much of that stuff but i can't help myself one i did read recently uh this year was the dave Grohl book i think i read it in like two days whether that says more than you might need to know about the book. It's okay. It's I an autobiography. It's, it's an autobiography. Yeah, he he talks about his upbringing and stuff like that, and his relationship to punk music, and how he's got into it, and how he never really set out to be kind of where he is today, you know. But it was that the stuff before Nirvana, the time in Nirvana, his relationship with Kurt Cobain and Chris Novoselic. Mm -hmm. And then the stuff from the Foo Fighters on. I mean, it's an interesting book. It's not, it didn't change the way I felt about anything. It's a, I read this before the, the drummer passed away. So it was a good book. You know, if, you, if you're looking for something accessible, mm -hmm. there's a good place to start, you know. The uh, Peter Hook book on Joy Division. I think it's called that's Unknown Pleasure. That's in my Kindle. Yeah, right. That's yeah. A, can I have a lot of books still to get into, but that seemed like an interesting book to... Uh, it was good. Of course, they I, don't talk anymore, right? The Hookie and uh, the rest of the guys in your order don't talk anymore. Bernard. Um, Sumner? Yes, Bernard Sumner and uh, whatever the drummer's name was. I read that a couple of years ago. Very, very good. I like that a lot. Yeah, there's so many. Well, hopefully we've given our, our listeners... Uh, a bit of food for thought, then, eh? Yeah. We're giving them somewhere to start. Matt, thanks for your time this afternoon, or this evening for you. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, good luck with all those projects in the near future. Thanks so much.